right? If y'all come into the store, I'm probably not going to be there. They think I should be there. <laughs> You're like, where is Aisha? And the staff's like, I'm sorry she's not here. Well, when's she going to be here? <laughs> They're like, I'm coming back to buy my stuff. When you, don't go, you don't go into Macy's demanding to see the CEO, right? right. <laughs> so we have to begin to treat our Black-owned businesses the same way, right? Like, I'm most of the time, I'm not there. What's going on, family? Welcome to another episode of the Traffic Sales and Profit Show. I'm your host, Lamar Tyler. And if you are a black entrepreneur looking for new strategies around wealth creation or looking for ways to grow and scale your business, you're in the right spot. And today I got a special guest, Aisha Taylor Issa, and she is the founder of the Sisters in Business Expo. Y'all, y'all seen it in your cities, right? You've seen it online. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Lamar. It's an honor. Thank you. Now, um, I'm excited because you said you listen to the show, too. I do listen to the show. I've been listening since you announced it. Listen, y'all. I was trying to, like, this is how it goes. It's like, listen, bro, don't do this. I, I watch the show, bro. Don't do this. <laughs> All right. So you built an amazing movement um, across the country focused on uh, women, right, that are in business. Tell me, like, how did all of this come about? So uh, it really started back in 2017. I kind of got this itch, this urge. Uh, there was a lot of talk happening about women of color being the largest and fastest growing demographic of entrepreneurs. American Express had put out this big article and everybody was reposting it and sharing it. And um, but then when you dug a little deeper, you learned, OK, we're starting all these businesses, but these businesses are not making a whole lot of money. Mm. Uh, and that didn't sit well with me. Uh, and so um, God gave me uh, this idea to create a platform that would help to close that gap uh, by creating an affordable and accessible platform where women of color could showcase their products and services while gaining valuable resources and information. I was not new to entrepreneurship. My sister and I had owned a career consulting business for over 20 years. And okay. so um, I knew some of the struggles that we had encountered. We always wanted to do expos, but they were so costly. Even as a new or micro business, you're talking about even back then, $1,500, $2,000. But I knew the impact that those types of events could have. And so I wanted to create something that would meet the needs of that sister who was just starting out or who was, you know, mid-level and really needed to be in spaces like that. And that's that's how it happened. You know, the thing I find is interesting about expos to me are that they give you a chance to really learn your customer, yeah. right? And get like right in front of people to talk to people. You know, some, like some, it. Sometimes online, even online, you don't know. It's hard to find out. It's not impossible. Hard to find out why people don't buy your stuff. Mm -hmm. They on your site, they off your site. When somebody come to that table and they like, I'll be back. Right. Right. You, you get a chance then to be like, because you know they ain't coming back. Right. Nine out of ten. But you get a chance right then to like really jump in and say, hey, you know, like, it's like what about is it? it? And, and find you out, know. yeah, find mm -hmm. out, you know, and even if they buy from you, mm -hmm. Being able to dig deep and find out who that person is, right? What made them stop past you and talk to you and and want to purchase? And most of the time, I'm not even asking them because when you have those in-person interactions, they just talk to you. Yeah, there's nothing like it. Nothing replaces that in-person interaction. I don't care how big e-commerce gets. I don't care how much we move to online and virtual. There's no replacement for it. Uh, you get those types of interactions. You're being in the room with thousands of people who are like-minded, who have the same goals, who have the same interests, or who are your ideal customer. Um, and so that's one of the things that we've also been big on promoting is how important vending still is, right? Mm -hmm. 
right? Like it's become a lost art. And some people I think have shied away from it, um, but there's nothing like it. And when you talk to some of the biggest brands out there and you ask them how they started, they tell you that they vended, right? They did tons of shows. They went all over the country pushing their product, right? We can't forget that. And so we really wanted to keep that as a platform for how businesses can grow. Okay, that's good. I'm gonna come back to you in a minute to ask you some tips for vending. Yeah. Because like you probably are the oh, expert. I got when you. It, you just seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. So, so we're coming back in a second. Oh, not yet, not yet. We're coming back. I know you got some nuggets, but not yet. Um, all right, so so you said I want to focus on this. It's the fastest growing demographic. Um, like, like how did you start out? What was the what was the first steps? Five hundred dollars. Um, you know, at the time I was working uh, full time, city government, uh, in ministry, making good money. Uh, so I had a little change, had good credit um, and um, found a venue uh, and put five hundred dollars down on the first space. I had no clue what I was getting myself into, literally uh, no clue how expensive it was going to be. <laughs> um, but my sister showed up. Um, they supported us from day one and, mm -hmm. and it, it confirmed that there was a need for this. When I tell you the minute we announced it, um, we sold out of vendor spaces in the first six weeks. We um, were packed to capacity in terms of attendees. And that was the very first city, the very first time ever. People came and were like, oh, I never heard of this. I was like, because it never happened before. Mm -hmm. um, and we knew right then that we were onto something and that there was a real need for this. Um, so we put, that's how it started. I, I did my research, of course, you know, got all my LLC and all that stuff. I knew how to start a business because I had already done that part. Um, but nothing like this. Uh, I had a service-based business. We did career consulting. So live events and, and and all of that, all that comes with that was new territory for us. That first event, did you make money? Yeah. That one I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. That's a load of that. That one I did. That one I did. I mean, we were in smaller spaces. Even though it was yeah. a large space at the time, it was smaller than what we do now. So we had about 7,000 square feet, right? Okay. We had about 75 vendors and we had about 700 attendees, right? So okay. at that time, we did make some money. Um, it's harder to make money now, but it can be done. And we're thankfully, you know, doing it. But we've learned a lot along the way. So over the five years, what are the sizes of the events now? So now uh, we just had our largest space here in Atlanta, which was about 20,000 square feet. Wow. Um, we had the capacity for about 125 vendors, um, up to about 1,500 attendees. We averaged, uh, pre-pandemic, <laughs> we averaged about 90 to 100 vendors and about 12 to 1,500 attendees. Okay. Um, and of course, post-pandemic, we're somewhere around 700 attendees and still at about 100 vendors, though. And then normally one-day, two-day, three-day events? So we do one day. Okay. Um, we're piloting our first two-day experience in New Jersey. Okay. <laughs> uh, in a couple of weeks for the last stop of our tour this year. Uh, go and feel that out and see how it goes. But you know, two days is double the money and, and double the expenses. So we're going to test it out and see how it does. Um, but we are, we're a one-day high-impact, high-energy day um, that really is transformative. So so let me ask you this, because as you're doing these events now, you essentially have two customers, right? You have the, the vendors that pay you money, so you have to make sure they have a great experience. Um, and most importantly, you got to make sure you got people for them but then you also have to serve the people and entice them to actually come out yeah. so that they can, you know, enjoy the event, but patronize your vendors exactly. as well. Yeah. Like, like, how is it navigating those two? <laughs> so you essentially have two marketing strategies, right? Um, you know, we, we always kind of um, put it as 
the you know an event for vendors, but also for those who like to support uh, women of color entrepreneurs. So because you got people who, who who are intentional about how they spend their dollars, and that's what we're really trying to promote as well. Um, and so it's definitely two marketing strategies. We've got to focus and and zero in on uh, that avatar, the the businesses who are looking for a space to grow, but also those who just want to support or who like to be in spaces where they can be uh, entertained, but also informed. Even those who are not vendors, though, usually have some sort of entrepreneurial interest, uh, whether they're, you know, getting the bug or the itch or they want to start something and not really sure. Um, So that's a good a good component of it, too. Okay, And I noticed besides this at the events, you actually program with content, too. And is that for like a lot of content for the women that are coming out? Like I said, they have that. So it's both. So we are intentional uh, in a lot of ways at our event. One way that we're intentional is that everything happens in the same room. So, you know, you've been to expos, of course. A lot of times the speakers or the workshops or the panels are in separate rooms, right? Um, And that vending area is dead. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. We don't do that. Um, And that's intentional. We have everything in the same room. Um, We we make sure most of the time, with few exceptions, that we have excellent sound systems um, so that um, you can be anywhere in the room and still hear what's happening on the stage, uh, still glean from the Mm -hmm. nuggets that are being dropped, right? Our vendors love it because they still get the interaction with the attendees, right? We do have seating at the stage, but some people still want to roam around and, and, you know, engage and just kind of listen in on what's happening. So you meet both needs. Uh, So we're really intentional about that. We do not like to leave our vendors with that space at all. Um, So, so that, that that works for us. All right, I love it. Now you alluded just a second ago, so I want to uh, you know not get too far because I know people like Lamar. Let's get to it. Um, let's talk about some of these tips for vendors. Yes, Lord. Because like I said, now you know I'm sure you probably vended one way or another yourself, right? But then Listen, also I vended you work last with weekend. A, okay, so then, so we got the perfect person, and okay. then you also work with tons of vendors. So I'm sure you've seen somebody's giving you an idea like, "Ooh, that's good, sis." Absolutely, and I tell people all the time, "I'm not going to actually do anything that I haven't done or still do myself." Because again, we know the value of vending, so our brand itself still vends any chance that we get in an ideal opportunity. So, nevertheless, um, you know there are so many, right? And and again, you don't want to miss out on opportunities. You talk all the time about missed opportunities, yeah. right? And when you are in that space, whatever time you have, whether it's a four-hour event or an eight-hour event or a three-day weekend, you have opportunities to engage. And one of the biggest mistakes that we see is people miss out on opportunities. They miss out on opportunities maybe because they're on their phone and not mm-hmm. because they're catching content because they're just sitting and scrolling, missing people walk by, right? One of the biggest missed opportunities is poor branding, Right. So not taking the time to put your display together to make sure that your brand uh, is noticeable and present anywhere where I can walk by and I don't have to guess and see, oh, what business is this? Right. It should be prevalent so that I know even if I didn't stop that I can maybe scan a QR code or even just take a picture of your booth and see the name on the front and know that I'm going to check them out later. You know, like like those two are so good because. Um, I recently went to um, Invest Fest, Earn Your Allegiance mm-hmm, event mm-hmm. Fest. So I was walking through the expo hall and it was like all types of like huge like setups, which, you know, I, I've been to myself in the past. The worst feeling as a vendor is you to get there with your little sheet of paper and then you next to all these people, like they got all the things you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But the second worst thing you could do is the first part of what you said, which is not be engaged. Because as I walked down the aisles, I was, I was with my nephew uh, so I was telling my nephew, who's grown, he ain't like a little kid, but I was telling my nephew as we was walking down, I was like, look at this table over here. Cause it was a per, while everybody else was standing up in the aisles, talking and greeting and trying to pull people in. It was somebody with a table, nothing on it, no real branding, sitting down 
on their phone. Mm -hmm. And I said, that person has basically essentially just wasted all the money they spent to be in here. And they don't know who that one person walking by that could literally change anything for their business like that. That's it. And it's about balance, right? So, because yeah. we get it. Everybody can't afford the big, you know, signage and all that stuff, right? But you can do something. Something, yeah. You can do something and you can be engaged, right? Because why why take the first step and not take the second, right? You you paid your money to be there, okay? But then you show up and don't have what you need to make it profitable and make it beneficial to you, right? So even if it's just a matter of getting you a $99 retractable banner, right? Like something, 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 you have yeah. to do something and you got to get up. You got to get up. You cannot be sitting and scrolling on your phone and thinking that the people are going to come to you because guess what? They are not. They're not going to come to you because then it might even be another booth where it's not that elaborate, but they're engaged. So they're up, they're talking, they're asking questions, they're telling you about their products. I've seen it happen, right? They have yeah. maybe a simple setup, nice but simple, right? But they're more engaged and they do better. So you got to find that balance. I want to tell you something, but I don't want you to judge me. I won't judge you. As a expo attendee, I don't know if I'd even say this on camera. <laughs> I don't know. You know don't get me in trouble here. As an expo attendee, as I'm walking down the aisle, I try to make eye contact with people. Because <laughs> I, I don't I only want to stop at the place I want to stop at. But what I can tell you, what I can tell you about a shadow of a doubt, is there have been times when it was something I thought I was not interested in, mm -hmm. but the person like forced my engagement. Mm -hmm. And then once we started talking, I, I ended up buying something and walking away. Because mm -hmm. maybe just from a distance, it was looking like, like half the time people don't, we don't even know what we really need or want anyway. And, and if, like I said, we can't tell everything from the outside, we might not. But like I said, somebody will just speak. And then they speak. I'm gonna speak back. Right. So we speak back. We get into an engagement, engaging conversation, and then literally they're like, "Hey, you know what? Well, I do this thing, and this is what I got." And then I'm like, "Oh, really?" There you go. And then I'm glad five, you mentioned that. Later. I do this thing, right? Because another part of our experiences that are intentional is that we specifically include service based businesses. Oh, that's good. Right? Because a lot of, I had a service business. I know how it is. You don't feel like you have a space in, in events like this. Yeah. You don't feel welcomed. We intentionally include service based businesses because when you go to other events, they're all service based. If you yeah. go to the, the small business expo that tours the country, all service based businesses, right? And so we intentionally make sure that we provide a platform for them because, like you said, it might be a service that you need. It might not even be a product you're going to buy. But if okay. I know that you mow lawns, if I know that yeah. you uh, groom pets, right, I might not need that right that moment, but I'm going to keep that in mind. I'm going to take your information. I'm Hopefully, you're going to add me to your mailing list so that when I do need that service, I can follow up. As I think about it, most of the expo, when, I'm, when I leave, with something, it is most of the time an actual service-based business. Mm. And like I said, if they're there, but I think that's big what you talked about, because for the service-based business owners that are watching, I think sometimes they put themselves in buckets. Yes. Where they say, well, that's not for me, because I don't have anything to show them. I don't have anything to do. I don't have anything, you know, like everybody else going to be selling, you know, butters and, mm -hmm. and shirts and, you know, clothing and accessories and shoes and stuff like that. I don't have something to show, but you still can show up. Absolutely. And, and a lot of times service-based businesses, they don't have to sell as much as a product-based business has to sell anyway. Because that one thing they sell could be worth hundreds of thousands or Listen. tens of thousands versus the product person. Yeah. They got to bring all the inventory and then move all the inventory mm -hmm. at the same time. So you have a lot less overhead, right? But you can have a, a lot more return. I, I don't even own my career consulting business anymore. And I still have people reaching out to me today who met me at Career Expos wow. we used to do years ago. Right, who kept that card that I probably got on Vistaprint, right? <laughs> who who remember that they met me at that event and they need a resume, right? So the the long-term effects, and that's what we try to get our sisters to understand too, right? Like if you go to an expo and your only intention is to make back what you spent for that expo, you you wasting your time. 
right? Like everybody wants to make back their money, right? Of course, that's ideal, but I guarantee you it's not going to always happen, right? And the long-term benefits, the the long-term investment uh, is what you need to be gaining or what you need to be seeking um, because the trickle-down effect, right? Like you might meet five people, those five people could tell 25 people about you. You know, they could stand at your booth and post one picture and tag you. And now you've reached their entire audience, right? So it's so much more than just the sales you get there. And and I would imagine sometimes it's just the thing of repeatedly showing up. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, oftentimes, just like we say online, like everybody isn't ready to buy from you the very first time they see you. Mm -hmm. But it's remembering that, hey, you know what? We talked last year. Hey, you know what? I saw that last year and I wasn't ready, but now maybe I am ready or maybe I'm willing to try something or, you know, something happens since the last event. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I like that a lot too. Uh, Any other tips around um, uh, vending? Yes. Uh, be on time. Mm. <laughs> I can't begin to tell you <laughs> how many people are often late. Now, here's another one, too. Um, and I get that this may not work for everybody, but it's important to have help. Oh, that's good. A lot of people show up by themselves. Um, and, I, and I guess sometimes it's maybe because they didn't have a choice, but whenever possible, you know, even if you got to ask that that auntie that you don't fool with that much, if you could just have another presence at your booth, right, who can um, tell even if they just tell the person that's waiting, she'll be right with you. She's helping this customer. You know what I mean? Because if it's just you and I'm and I'm selling to you and somebody's waiting, they may not want to wait around. Right. But you need to have someone who can help engage. You might have to run to the bathroom. Right. Right. Like simple things. Right. And we see it so often. Um, and it's just the little things that make a big difference. But, you know, e- even in those situations, it makes me think and I've seen you know, some of our successful businesses that have come through TSP over the years, right? They, if, if they vend it early on in the process, you know, they might just ask their communities, mm-hmm. ask their customers, right? And, and somebody say, well, you know, I don't have the money to pay a person. But a lot of times it's people that will easily just volunteer because they just look for something to do on a Saturday or they like, hey, I get to come to the event and hear what's going on between Throw the things. Some or, free product. Yeah. Right. Free product. <laughs> like, or, or a lot of times they just want to be next to the founder. Yeah. Like like them just getting to spend that time mm-hmm. with you as the owner and founder with you, like it's, it's not a big deal because it's me. Yeah. But a lot of times like them just getting the behind the scenes yeah. of the brand and getting to spend time with you and talk to you because it'd be a lot of time to talk when you're at yeah. the Expos, right? Mm-hmm. Like like there is equity in that. Absolutely. That people want to tap into. So often I feel like, you know, business owners just aren't making the ask yeah. of people. Another huge missed opportunity is not capturing leads. Yes. Right. Um, or even capturing them in an archaic way. Right. Like it's 2022. You really don't need a pen and paper. Right. Because now who's going home to transcribe all of those terrible handwriting yeah. uh, email addresses and try to put them into a database? And if I write down, oh, man, I'm a bad attendee. I'm, I'm writing down, so I'm probably giving you a bad email. <laughs> now look at that. Like, listen, I'm like, if I got to put on a piece of paper, yeah, yeah. you get, you get that. It's COVID. I don't want to use no pen that somebody else used. Right. Like you have to capture leads and you want to do it in the most technologically savvy way possible. And there are many options, many options. You could have a text code that they're sending to. You could have right. a QR code that they're scanning. You could have an iPad if you want them to Type it in there. Like, whatever it is, if you are not capturing leads, my God, that's probably the biggest one. Well, what are some of the best ways for lead capture that you've seen done or some of the most creative things that you've seen people do for lead capture? Yeah, so, like I mentioned, QR codes, of course. Of course, everybody's using those now. Um, a lot of people are doing the text to subscribe. Uh, and and oftentimes, if you really want to get them, offer some type of raffle or giveaway, right? So, if you text to subscribe today, you use 
Expo 2022, um, you're entered for a chance to win, you know, a free massage, whatever it is, yeah. right? So you want to offer some sort of incentive so that they are more inclined to actually subscribe and actually give the right information. Um, so those are some of the some of the ways. A lot of people are doing like these uh, trivia pinwheel things where people can yeah. spin and, and get something. In order to do that, you've got to give your email address. So. The options are limitless. The most important thing is do something. Like if you are letting people walk by, even if they're shopping with you, if they're shopping with you and you're not capturing those leads, you're missing out on opportunities. I, I loved it. We and um, me and Ronnie, when we did our documentary films, we did seven mm -hmm. full of docs. So we do a documentary and at the end of it, we would actually have to sell a movie because they ain't like we was on HBO. So most of the people, if they wanted to see it or tell somebody, had to like actually buy the movie to get mm -hmm. it. So we had a vending table set up in a the theater. And when we sold, we realized that when we attached the giveaway to it, we captured so much legion, it was crazy. Mm -hmm. And we would go out and vending um, other places and expos and events and stuff, um, book fairs and stuff like that too. But like like what you just talked about, like I want everybody to make sure they caught that. Because it wasn't just like, hey, like nobody want to give you their email, just give you their email. Right. Like every now and then you might find somebody like, oh, this brand looks amazing, here go my stuff. But nine out of 10 people, mm -hmm. ain't nobody out in the street saying, I'm looking for one or two more people to get my email address to. <laughs> right. So you, you can land in my inbox. But once we um, attached like a giveaway item, and what we would always do is we would do like a basket. It had to be something, we want something big and physical mm -hmm. that could like sit on the table and people would see it. And once we did that, it drastically shot up the amount of leads we got. Cause then it wasn't even just, hey, give, you, give us your email address so we can do XYZ. It was like, hey, give us your email address for you to get the chance to win this, like you said, and then they were like, yeah, I want a hold of it. Exactly. And then it also gave us a chance to communicate with each of the people that didn't win, to say, hey, you didn't win, but still make them some type of offer of discount or here's a special thing just for you for participating. Yeah, people want to be incentivized. It's the same thing with the pop-up on your website, right? Yep. If you tell me I'm gonna save 20%, I'm dropping that email. Even if it's the one I never check, I'm checking it that day, right? Exactly. Like people need to be incentivized. So we have to think the same way in the physical setting. What are the, the strategies that we can use to, to get real leads? Yeah. I love it, I love mm -hmm. it. Um, I'm, I'm curious, out of the vendors to you that, that make the most, that do the most, um, are there any specific things you see, or maybe not even specific, like maybe some unique things you've seen, like for people to just go out and crush it? So first of all, having a unique uh, selling proposition, right? Mm -hmm. Like what is different about your product, brand, or service from everybody else's? Those are the ones that do the best, right? Where if I, you know, there might be five candle vendors, right? But if your candles are shaped like Hennessy bottles, <laughs> right. Like that's going to stand out to me. Like, like there has to be something that makes you unique or different um, because people that's one of the reason why reasons why people love to come to events like this to shop, because they get things they can't get anywhere else mm, and they see sense. things they're not going to see anywhere else. So you have to offer something that is unique um, and that is different from what they can get at Target. Um, so those people do really, really well. And those who um, who really put effort into their displays. Um, and make it an experience. We have a lot of people now who don't even use the table, right? They're like, I don't need a table because really? they're turning it into a little store, mm. right? So they've got backdrops, they've got uh, regist like almost like counters and and rugs and and you know greenery, you know, like they're <laughs> turning it into an experience, right? So you really got to think outside the box and and think about what you can do that will make you stand out, especially when you're in a room with a hundred vendors. If somebody's listening to this and they, you know, want to vend or this inspires them to vend, how can they get those ideas starting out? Like, are they just going online and searching, you know, Listen, for ideas? Pinterest. Today? Pinterest. YouTube. Okay. 
Google. I mean, you know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist. We yeah. have, you know, information at our fingertips, right? And you might not be the most creative person because I'm not, okay? I'll tell you right now, I hire people to be creative, <laughs> okay? So if you know that that's not your strong suit, holla at your homegirl who is, right? Like everybody has that friend who's super creative or, right. or trendy. Like House listen, is amazing. You're right. Like, hey, put that them pillows exactly, together that rug. Exactly. And... Talk to them. Like, listen, I want to jazz up my booth this year. What can I do that's different? This is my first time doing an event. How can I make it, make it pop? You know what I mean? Like, if that's not your strength, that's fine. But find somebody who who does have that strength. And and just try it. You know, I have pictures from when I first vended. Man, <laughs> I had a notebook. Uh, I'm talking about from my career business. I had a notebook with resumes and plastic sheets. You know, it was just like before and after. But I had something, yeah. right? And I saw how it evolved over the years. So you got to start somewhere, but just start. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's what I was just thinking. I was like, man, we haven't vended in a while. I was like, I don't know if I'm built for these. Like, like <laughs> I've been doing my table, like my table, my little tablecloth on. <laughs> like, we about to kill them. Then the person next to us, like, no, we don't. I pull up and they don't have a table. That scares me. I'm like, I'm like, what is she about to do? Yeah, right? I would say probably about ten percent now don't want their tables. We wow. removed the tables. But as soon as you said it, it made sense. Because, mm -hmm. um, like you said, like it, it also invites me. As a person walking by, like into the actual into space, the space, where that table is kind of like a barrier. Exactly. Where like we stand on one side, they stand on one there side. It's like so transactional. There you go. But it literally opens it up and invites them in. Ooh, that was good. Mm -hmm. All right. So um, the expo, you've been doing it right for five years. You've grown it from you know seven thousand square feet to twenty thousand plus square feet. Uh, you know, all type of different businesses come in. But the thing that's interesting about you and your business from the first time I met you is that somewhere along the line, you also decided to open up a retail store. Hmm. I'm still trying to figure out what I was drinking that night. <laughs> the Hennessy. Me thought it was That's a candle. That candle, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, we have delved into the world of retail. Um, and when I tell you it's nothing we ever imagined, it was nowhere on the blueprint. Wow. Nowhere. I had multiple cities on the blueprint. I had weekends on the blueprint. I had all kinds of stuff, but that wasn't on there. Um, but it has been the best thing that ever happened to us. Wow. So, yeah. so how did the idea for the store come? And then where were you... Out of these five years, was that like year one early on or was it just recent, more so no, recently? recently. So Rona, you can thank the mm. Rona for our retail uh, stores. It was during COVID um, when we were essentially shut down. We're an event-based business, wow. right? Yeah. We had other parts of the brands. We have uh, what's called the Sisters in Business University. That's our teaching and training arm where we provide courses and, and resources. And we also have a foundation, right? But our bread and butter was events, Right. And so when COVID happened and we could not have events for an entire year, yeah. it was looking bleak. And I'm not going to tell you I was one of those businesses that pivoted right away and had a whole plan. I did not. Um, we did do a virtual conference in 2020 that first year um, and it went really, really well. Um, but when we started getting into 2021 and COVID was still looming, it was like, all right, what are we going to do? Right. Because first of all, all of these sisters had not been able to vent for over a year. And a lot of them rely on that as a major revenue stream, right? Um, and we, you know, ourselves had lost out on a major part of our revenue. Mm -hmm. um, and so in uh, at the time I was in New Jersey um, and, you know, y'all was, y'all never closed down here in Atlanta. Y'all was <laughs> wide open the whole time. But Jersey was real strict. New York, New Jersey was real strict. We were on lockdown for a long time. And one of the first things that started to open back up was the malls. Mm. So even when like restaurants and bars and stuff were not open, the malls were open. So one day in uh, January <laughs> of 2021, the mall was open. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go outside. I ain't been outside in a long time. Went to the mall. It was packed. Wow. A light bulb went off. 
I was like, this is where we need to be. And the rest is history. Um, to be very honest, I, you know, did, of course, did my research, did my due diligence, um, reached out to a couple of, of mall properties, um, heard back from a few immediately. Immediately. I sent those emails a Sunday night at 9 p.m. Monday morning at 9 a.m. My phone was ringing. Wow. Right. So it was prime time for small businesses to get into malls, because if you had tried that three years ago, it would have been really difficult. Maybe not impossible, but really difficult and really expensive. Yeah. Um, so um, we, the whole concept was <clears throat> that we wanted to still have a platform for sisters in business to showcase their products and services. So even though they couldn't do it in an expo, maybe they could do it in retail. Uh, we have a two-pronged model where they can be a consignment vendor where we sell their products every single day of the week mm -hmm. uh, or a weekend vendor where they pop up and vend themselves. Um, and so we opened our first uh, store April of 2021. So that was four years after we started the brand. And where's that one at? It's in New Jersey. Okay. It's in New Jersey at the Mills at Jersey Gardens in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Um, our first space was about 5,000 square feet. Um, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, it has really changed the trajectory of our brand. We have 10 x uh, since moving into retail. Oh, now, wow. I will also tell you it has been the hardest I've ever had to work in my life. Okay. Um, Why is that? What, 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 what parts of the journey did your preparation not prepare you for? Staff. So people um, be people. Listen, <laughs> and the money that goes along with that. Yes, like it's expensive. Whoo, Your biggest expense, baby. Nine times out. Um, you know when before before I had all contractors, I had all contractors, and you know it was cool. That's easy money. You know, there's no taxes associated with that. <laughs> um, I immediately went from about I don't know maybe five six contractors to uh, ten W two employees. Um, in a matter of weeks, um, that was a big shift for us. Um, rent <laughs> and all of the expenses that come with opening a retail space, especially one of that size. Um, I never, I, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. <laughs> um, so what were some of the expenses when oh you open retail? Place? So thankfully, thankfully, you know, we did not have to do a build out. Okay. Um, we were, we went, essentially went into a turnkey space, you know, did a little bit of a little bit of touch-ups here and there. Okay. Um, so we did save a lot on that end. But um, everything, I, I view retail so differently now. Oh, and I, actually, for the people that's not listening, can we yes. talk about what a turnkey space is? Oh, just turnkey just meaning we literally got the keys and were able to go in. We didn't have to do any construction to the space. Okay, perfect. Right? So um, when we um, got there, though, the space was empty, right? And so literally, now I, I was saying I go into retail now and I look at everything differently because mm -hmm. everything costs money. The table, the plant, <laughs> the thing the earrings are sitting on, right. the hanger that your shirt is on, everything costs money and everything is expensive. And you know what? This is the thing I noticed about retail that I just know the average consumer does not. It takes a lot of stuff to fill up a store. Oh, God. It, I, mean, I just know like, people just underestimate. Yes. You know, because and, and I think a lot of times when they go into a store... And it's not full. I'm not even sure if they're really aware that like it's like it just feels different. No. You're like, hey, like this feels different than like when I'm shopping in Macy's or whatever like that. But I don't think the average person has any idea of how much product and inventory it takes just for a store to feel complete. Listen, we when we opened our doors, we had 45 brands. Now we have 120. And it's just not starting to look full. Wow. Okay. Um, you, Did that surprise you guys? Was that something that surprised you or you already knew it kind of going into it? I had no idea. I had no. I had never done this before. There was no roadmap. There was nobody to show me, hold my hand. I literally have learned this retail journey every day, one step at a time. Um, and 
it was amazing. Like, so we we had to open, right? We had to open because as soon as they give you them keys, that rent starts, right? So we took about six weeks to open. Um, we did do a crowdfund campaign. Um, so we raised about, our goal was to raise 30K in 30 days. We were a little bit shy of that. Um, and we opened April, uh, April 2nd of 2021. We had 45 brands on the shelves. I didn't even realize how empty it was. I thought we had some. I was like, oh, look at those shirts over there. Oh, but look at all those shelves over there. <laughs> so, um, but even at the time when we opened, we had a queue of about 100. We had about 100 applications in a queue of wow. brands that wanted to be in the store. But we had to close just to get open, you know, close yeah. the application process. So as soon as we got open, got up and running, we opened it back up. And now we literally bring in new brands every week because um, they roll in and out. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a huge undertaking, huge undertaking. The hours are treacherous, especially in a mall space where you do not control your hours. Because yeah. uh, so, if I'm not correct, a lot of malls, they have rules. Oh, they got a lot of rules. And they'll find you, right? If, like, if you're not open by a certain time or if you close, because they, they need shoppers to walk through and feel like everything opened out, like half the mall is shut down. And Absolutely. It's yeah. a lot of rules. So there are benefits, of course, to being in a mall, yeah. right? You get some guaranteed traffic and uh, marketing. It's like and Amazon. Like people that. already come in. Exactly. It's, people won't show up whether you, they know you or not. It's already going to be people exactly. in foot traffic as every a, day. As, a, as opposed to being in a standalone space, yeah. right? But in a standalone space, you'd have more autonomy over when you open and close. We don't have that. So you got to weigh your pros and your cons, right? So we won't be in that mall because we need that traffic. But that also means we got to be open 10 hours a day. Yeah. Uh, so the store is literally every day, every day, because the mall is open on seven Sunday too. Seven days a week, seven days a week, holidays. They only close mm, on Christmas Day. The only close on Christmas holidays. Day. That's the only day that the mall is closed. Christmas Day and Thanksgiving Day, but then it opens Thanksgiving night for Black Friday. Yeah. So um, it's it's treacherous. It's it's a lot. Um, staffing um, is a beauty and a beast. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's expensive, but we have been able to transform so many brands. Um, it's worth it. It's worth it. Yeah. Uh, I would do it all over again. I actually did do it all over again <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when we opened our second store in Atlanta. Yeah. And now where's the Atlanta store at? So the Atlanta mm -hmm. store is at Atlantic Station. Um, Midtown Atlanta, um, beautiful, beautiful space, beautiful, beautiful area. I've been in that one. Beautiful space, yes. amazing location. Yeah. Um, um, we're really proud, really yeah. proud to bring this experience to Atlanta. Atlanta has been home for us since the beginning. We've been hosting expos here since 2018. Um, so we knew when we were looking at our next location where we were going to come. Um, and we were fortunate to get the space that we have at Atlantic Station. So, um, yeah, it's, you know, the testimonies that we hear from the sisters is what keeps me going, what keeps us going, right? Because we have sisters who say, oh, you know, I've... I've um, been able to make 10 times what I was making before wow. getting in your store. You know? And it's still something, you know, you could sell tons of stuff online. It's still something about being in a physical store that's still exciting. Like, yeah. when I was in your store, I would, like, see somebody I know, and I'm, like, taking pictures of the product and text it to them. They're probably like, dude, I know I'm there. Right? But it's still, <laughs> no, it feels, but they love that. Like, People do it all the time. Consumer, it feels special to me, yeah, right? People I was, do it all the time. I was at a, a black-owned bookstore in D.C. recently, and I was, like, just stumbled across some of my friends' books. And I was, I was in there again, like, taking pictures yes. and stuff. And so it's still something about... Absolutely. Being in a store. Yeah, like being in a store is special. And that's the thing, right? Like, I think e-commerce, and again, no knocking e-commerce, we love it, right? But e-commerce has um, taken that away, you know, yeah. to a degree from a lot of the goals and hopes and dreams. Because now it's just like, how much can I sell online? Yeah. Right? As opposed to, how much can I sell in a store? Can I get in a store? Yeah. Right? And most people, when they think about stores, they think about the big box, Target, and, you know, Walmart. And those are great, right? 
but your average business is never going to get there, maybe, right? We're giving them that gateway to get there if they want to. And and just getting there doesn't mean you're selling, right? Because you can make it to Target or Walmart and your stuff be like, you know, they got five units of it, stuff in a corner on the back where nobody's going to do anything with it versus, you know, getting in a store like yours where you may give them premium placement Mm -hmm. uh, where, you know, somebody in the store may say, hey, you know what? My favorite earrings are these right over, you know, and really drawing attention to right. it, which won't happen right. in the big box retail. Yeah, and we're trying to get them ready, right? Because if you want to go in the Target and Walmart, you can't go in there with a with 50 units, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You might need 50,000 units, right? But you still got a great product. You got a great brand. Um, and you are good enough to be in retail. And so we're giving them that that start, that chance, that opportunity. For a lot of our vendors, it's their first time ever being in retail. They never thought it was possible. Um, and now they're killing it. Um, so we're really excited. That's good. Now, let me ask you this. From the first store to the second store, what are some of the lessons that you learned when you open up the second retail location? Mm. I learned a lot of staffing lessons, for sure. Um, You know, about how much staff you need, um, how much coverage you need, how much to spend and budget for staffing. Um, I learned to always be hiring from you. (laughs) (laughs) Always. Always be hiring. Listen, um, just... A couple weeks ago, I had two people leave in one week and I had two replacements the next week. You got to always be hiring. Um, So I've learned a lot about just management of staff. I was was a manager when I was in city government. So thankfully, I have those skills. But, um, you know, when it's your own business, you know, building out that framework, you know, and and creating the the systems and just the, the culture. Of, of having staff was was really helpful and important. Um, I also learned about expenses, right? Like mm. a lot of the things that we spent on um, initially, I ain't spending on this time around, right? Because I know we probably don't need them. Um, like what? I'm curious. Oh, just like, you know, extra plants, you know? <laughs> just little things like fixtures or, yeah. um, you know, whenever I can, I try to get stuff for free, right? Yeah. So for example, at our first store, initially we bought a whole bunch of hangers, right? Like you don't realize how much hangers, are, they are not cheap, right? Um, but then there was a store right by us who was throwing away all the hangers. Like, yo, let me get those, right? <laughs> like I need those hangers. So so sourcing, you yeah. know, like being able to, um, you know, cut expenses in any way you can because the reason why most people don't go into retail is because it's a very expensive undertaking, yeah. right? The overhead is tremendous. So anywhere where you can cut costs but not quality, you should want to do that. So I love it. And, and I love what you even talked about with the fixtures because I can always tell um, – Small business, black-owned business retail, I love them, but like the inside of stores be immaculate. Mm-hmm. It be like, you know, the chairs ain't regular chairs, they like thrones, right. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Like crown molding around the side, with like right. all these extra fixtures. Flowers and plants. Yeah. And, and the customer ain't really care about None that. of that stuff, They're right? Really and and when, I, when I go into a lot of other stores from other communities, it ain't none of that. Mm-mm. Because all that same money, what they throw it into is inventory. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, we, we have these immaculate stores that don't have enough inventory. But like I said, we got chair rails and, you know, mm-hmm. five different types of crown molding and most exquisite and stuff. shirts. Right. Exactly. Right. So I, I, I think that was a great lesson. Yeah. Um, any advice for a person thinking about opening up retail? Yeah. So how, how should they get started? What should they do? Well, first of all, I think they should believe that it's possible. Right. I think for so long, so many of us have has have seen brick and mortar or retail as something that was impossible or maybe not even necessary. And I can honestly say that was me. I never thought it was necessary. I never even dreamed about it. Right. Um, but there's a reason why brick and mortar stores exist. Exists, yes. Because they work. Right. Like you do not see 
target going to a full e-commerce experience, right? They understand that people still physically go into stores and buy what they need, right? So if it is something that you are interested in, um, then of course you want to do your research. You want to, you know, analyze your costs and your expenses and your revenue and see if financially you're able to do that, right? Like, do you have enough to cover your rent for the first three months, Mm. right? Things like that. Um, but I want you to believe it's possible. Like that's that's to me is the biggest. Like if you can get past that, like and that was it for me, right? Like because I, I, you know, I know I know other sisters who have retail spaces and things like yeah. that, not with the same concept as us, but they have retail. I'm like, if they can do it, I can do it. You know what I mean? Like it is possible. And so I really want people to understand that. Do your research. Get good people on your team, right? Like you got to have a great accountant. You got to have a, a great fiscal financial person. If you're going into retail, you're definitely going to need a manager. Um, yeah. And so, because I had to learn that too, right? Like, because now I essentially have two completely separate parts of the brand. I cannot manage expos and manage yeah. a store. I was about to say, because if you don't have a manager, you're going to be the manager. You go, And I was at first. Yeah. And I was at first. I, um, I remember one day, and I had a, a six-month-old, right, at the time when we opened the first store. And I was in that store for 12 hours. I hadn't seen my son from the wow. morning when I left, when I came home at night, he was asleep. And I got in my car and I cried. Wow. I cried. I was like, I cannot do this. I love this store. I love this concept. I love this space. But it cannot take this much of my time. And yeah. it was from that point forward where I was like, y'all, I'm not going to be here every day. Y'all have to figure it out. You have to figure out how to manage this and how to run this store when I'm not here. Because uh, I, f- But it was me telling me that I had yeah. to be there. <laughs> you and, know, and I had decided that. And I think that's the thing. And that's the big nugget <laughs> is that you have to design the business that you want. Yeah. So, again, like if you don't design it so that, hey, I'm going to have a manager in there. Guess what? You're going to be the manager. Yeah. Guess what I mean? You're going to have to be the opening that's and be the closing and run to the bank and do all the things. All the things. And, and I understand somebody's watching saying, well, Lamar, you know, I don't have the money to hire somebody else right now. That's fine. But if it's in your plans, it can happen. Because if you just are waiting for things to just magically appear, you'll wake up and five years later, 10 years later, 15 years later, you'll still be the one opening and closing that store every day and, and missing out in moments. Right. Yeah. Which is kind of what you just And that's to. not living. Right. That's just working. And I'm not working to just work. I want to live and enjoy my labor um and so um my the staff now tell you they don't know when i'm gonna be there because most of the time i'm not there i'm obviously you know not at both stores because they're in two different states um i do go back from time to time at first i was going back every other week and that was killing me um so now i go every other month right um and so you have to create those boundaries um and trust people that was a big part for me too because especially now when you get into retail you're dealing with money you know you hear so many horror stories and it's like who can i trust you know what i mean but you don't know you can't trust them until you can't trust them right you put your your parameters in place and your security measures in place so that you have checks and balances and you know when something is missing but you have to trust people you got to turn over those keys you got to let people take cash you otherwise you are literally going to be there all day every day and and you will you can't operate like that we have customers now and i hope somebody hears this right and y'all come into the store i'm probably not gonna be there they think I should be there. Be like, where is Aisha? And the staff's like, I'm sorry, she's not here. Well, when's she gonna be here? <laughs> They're like, I'm coming back to buy my stuff. When you she don't know. You don't go into Macy's demanding to see the CEO, right? right. <laughs> so we have to begin to treat our black-owned businesses the same way, right? Yeah. Like, I'm most of the time I'm not there, and it's okay. And that's a sign of growth. Yeah, I love it. All right. So how can they find out more about you? 
uh, Sisters and Business Expo, the retail stores, like like where should they go? Yeah, so SIBExpo.us is our hub for everything. Um, and that's Sisters in Business. It stands for Sisters in Business Expo, SIBExpo.us. Um, and there you'll be able to find information about the events, about our pitch competitions, about our, um, <clears throat> our courses, and you'll also be able to get linked to the shop. If you just want to shop and you want to get information on that, you can go to thesistershop.com. And that's S-I-S-T-A-H, thesistershop.com. All right, y'all. So there you have it, right? This has been a masterclass in vending and retail, everything you want to know. And I want you, if you are a uh, entrepreneur, right, a woman of color or black woman entrepreneur, make sure you get a hold of the expo. Make sure you go out and vend. I'm telling you, vending is one of the best things you can do to learn so much about you, about your business, about your customer and the product, all of it, service-based people. She told this for you too. And then also make sure you go out and support these stores, these businesses, these companies, right? The sister shop, if you're in Atlanta or Jersey, hey, get there. If you like surrounding area, just make a pilgrimage, right? To get, it is black woman retail mecca, right? Amazing <laughs> stores and locations. And listen, Everything. I did, I said a lot about e-commerce, but we do have a website. So okay. if you're not, <laughs> if you're not local to one of the stores, you can shop online at thesistershop.com. All right, there we go, y'all. Make sure you support and check it out. And thank you for watching another episode of the Traffic Sales and Profit. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Traffic Sales and Profit Show. Hey, do me a favor. If you enjoyed what you heard today, subscribe and follow us on this platform right now to make sure you do not miss a beat as we drop new episodes and additional content every single week. Also, if you'd like to get access to a free paperback copy of my book, access to the TSP Traffic Sales and Profit free Facebook group, our challenges, resources, our events, and more. Make sure you visit us at www.trafficsalesandprofit.com forward slash podcast.